today we're going to be talking about Fatima episode two, which just like built on the first episode, killed the dude I wanted her to kill. And it was so awesome. I'm so into the show. Uh, I can't wait to talk about all the reveals with you guys and all the new characters we got. So yeah, I'm not drinking any tea, obviously, but I did just have a pink lily drink, which is a delicious drink, cocktail, highly recommend. Um, so I'm feeling good. You did like 4 p.m. in Santa Fe. It's right 6:30. Now. What are you talking about? Cocktail okay. hour was an hour and a half ago. Okay. <laughs> Do you have any tea? No, I have um, sparkling water. My new drink of choice. Gross. Ezgi, any tea? No, per usual, nothing over here right now. (laughs) Okay, excellent. So we will move straight along to Sophia telling us what happened in this episode. I just want to say, I think this is the most notes I've ever taken. I feel like there was a lot of confusing timeline stuff happening. So I wrote down a lot. Okay. I like in the course of making this podcast have started to take like less and less notes. (laughs) I don't know why. (gasps) Anyway. um, So this episode, it starts with uh, Fatma getting an infamous phone call as per usual and um then it goes to a funeral where the i guess it's the imam is like saying a prayer i'm assuming like a funeral kind of prayer where he talks about how basically it's it's kind of like a response thing like he'll say have you all forgiven this person who died and they all say yes we have um which i thought was really cool we can discuss that later Um, so then Fatma is working one of her usual jobs where the whole gimmick is that the child likes to hide from her mother and it's like a game, which is kind of getting boring by the second time they're showing it. I think it's supposed to be charming, but I'm pretty much done with it also. (laughs) Um, and so the mom gives the girl ice cream and then there's some very disturbing news on the TV, um, how this the very clear footage and like high quality footage of this woman pushing a man in front of the train. And like the owner of this house is like, oh my God, like who would do that? That's so evil, whatever. And Fatma's just terrified. Um, she gets really scared because obviously she knows that it's her. Um, but like now they're looking for her. So that complicates things. And yeah, she, she then is shown on the street and she's wearing the exact same clothes, like outerwear that she was wearing when she pushed the guy in front of the train, which we can discuss in the, in the tea section. Um, but she's just like walking down the street, kind of like in her own headspace. And this woman in a fan, kind of like a fancy car and like fancily dressed, um, notices her and she tells the person driving like, uh, you go ahead, let me just uh, catch up with you in a minute. So she gets out of the car and starts chasing Fatma and like yelling at Fatma, like Fatma, Fatma. And then she's like, big sister, um, Abla, 
so I'm assuming that it's her younger sister. Um, and they, we have a little flashback of the two girls playing wherever they're from. And then they go to have like tea at some park. And the sister is extremely like dismissive of everything. And she's like, you should go live back home. Like, what are you doing? Zafed is like lost. He's never going to come back. Um, you just go and, and live back at home. And um, you should go to the police and tell them about Zafed uh, being missing. And like all this stuff that's like completely kind of irrelevant to Fatma's life, like not understanding what Fatma's challenges are. And, you know, like apparently this sister seems to be like pretty well off or like glamorous or I don't know. She just has a very different style to Fatma completely like full done makeup, full done hair, like very flashy dress and heels. So she, yeah, she, and, oh, and she's like, oh, why did you like, put yourself up to cleaning houses like don't you have anything better to do like I'm sure you could pay for stuff some other way or she says something like she just says these like very out of touch things and she says that she can help her because her husband has contacts in the police or I don't know if it's her husband her boyfriend or whomever this guy is um and it's like overall a pretty unpleasant conversation the sister is kind of not very nice and so during, well, like she's having tea with the sister and then she's like, you know what? I have to leave. Um, so she opens up her, okay, this, this woman is just like leaving clues everywhere to anyone who can see them. She just takes this plastic bag full of money um, and puts like a hundred lira bill on the table to settle the bill and leaves, which is again, like weird. Um, and so she's just walking down the street and she gets a, like one of her typical phone calls where she just hears like sound and she just like, is like, I don't know what to say. She's like paralyzed, I guess. And she just stays there on the street. Um, and she almost gets hit by cars because the, the stoplight changes and she's just like stuck there. So she just walks home or like commutes home. And at her home is like this strange dude and um, our other friend Bynum, who's like, oh, like basically every single man on this show is like trying to get her to kill people for money. <laughs> or at least that's my impression of it. Um, and so this guy's like, okay, like there's this powder. You need to get your boss at the food court to like inhale this powder because it's going to kill him. And that guy's like a pain in my butt. He's the worst. He also has a very unusual name, um, Ebe something, I forget, but it's a weird, I've thought it was unusual. Ezgi, you can maybe tell us if it's actually. I don't, Ekbar? I don't remember the name. It's like oh, something. That's a, that's, I mean, that's not unusual. It's, it's, a, it's an old religious name, oh. a Quranic name. <laughs> yeah. It's It sounded kind of like Ebenezer to me. I don't know why, but I was. Like Akbar. It's like Akbar, oh. like it's the Turkish version, yeah. Oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, so these guys, oh, they also make really like shitty jokes about how like her house is very shitty and she cleans houses for a living, so it should be cleaner. 
they're like, oh, well, I guess you don't like to bring your work home or something dumb like that. And it's like, okay, thanks for your comment. And she's just like trying to get them to leave. But then Baidam gets really angry and tells her like, you think I don't know that you killed this dude in front of the, of the train? Like, I can make your life shitty for you. Like shittier, I guess. If you don't do what I want. And like, what are you going to do with that gun? Like, remember how invisible you were? Like, nobody's going to notice. Well, A, that's why they want her to do the stuff. Because she's invisible. Nobody noticed when she had the gun. Nobody noticed when she um, like snuck. Like, the police were just like, leave when they came to interrogate um, Bynum. And he like asks her like, where's the gun? And she pretends like she doesn't have it. But she has it like in a secret compartment of her purse. And the guy's just like, just make the gun get to me somehow, but like, don't give it to me directly. Um, and cause like he, he, it's, he thinks that she lost it or she hid it somewhere. And obviously, well, that's going to get back at him. And he thinks the police are going to say that, she, that he paid her or like incentivized her to kill Shivkit. So obviously he's kind of worried about that, but at the same time, he like also wants to take advantage of the fact that she's kind of invisible to everyone as has, as it has been repeated, um, I think quite a few times during these first two episodes. Um, so clearly that's why she's such an important kind of like weapon or, yeah, I don't even know what to call it, but she's like an important character to these shady people because she can kill people and nobody's gonna guess it's her. So this guy, well, he's in her house, whatever, she takes the gun out and then Ismail's wife comes in. Her name, I can't remember. But she's like, oh. Adria. Okay. Yeah, yeah I definitely. Mouthful. I had not heard that name. Oops. Um, she walks to the house. Is like, who are those guys? Like, tell me. Tell me about it. And Fatma's like, no, whatever. She just like blows it off. And then Kadriya is like, Oh, well, by the way, we're selling the house because um, Ismail convinced me because oh, this construction dude convinced Ismail, I guess it's because like they want to buy a house in a new building or something. I mean, not a house, an apartment in a new building. Um, I'm assuming. I don't know if, if that's it. But there's this whole discussion about the house, which I'm very confused about. I'm just going to like say the facts because I don't necessarily understand. And I guess we can go through it in the banter section. But basically, like they built the house and I don't I by they I assume it's it's Fatma and um, Zafer. But for some reason, Ismail owns it. I guess it's because it was on his land or something. Um, it's kind of unclear because they mention like as if they built the house but for some reason they have to pay rent and the ownership of the actual house is like Ismail and his wife own it. So I'm not entirely sure why. Yeah, that's exactly what I understood. I think they just made a terrible financial decision and literally built a house on somebody else's land. Oh no. Wild. And still have to pay rent. Exactly. Exactly. So none of the, of the benefits and Basically, Fatma is kind of freaking out because she's going to have nowhere to live. And she like, how is uh, Zafer going to find her if she's not where he left her? Basically, that's kind of her main worry at this point. 
And so she's just like alone in her house thinking, like being sad. And then it's weird. It's weird to me that they framed this the exact same way. So I thought it was the same time that she talked to Ismail, but it's a different time that she talked to Ismail. Because it's the same thing, like the boy or like young man comes out. She's like, I need to talk to Ismail. Ismail comes out. He's like, you're the, like, he's just an awful person. And she's like, I want to talk to you because I heard you want to sell my house. Um, And both, like, I think, I don't remember if it's him or, or Kadriye who say like, it's not your house because you haven't paid rent in forever. So like, it's not your house. It's my house. And he's like, whatever, I'll do whatever I want because it's not your house. It's my house. And like, you're like, I don't even, he says like some really crappy things. Um, oh, and he says like, oh, you, you're like prancing around alone here. Like, what do you want to happen to you basically? And like, what are you even doing alone without your husband? Like, obviously you can't do anything for yourself. Um, basically people are treating Fatma really crappily this episode, like they have in general, but this time it's like super personal. Like before it was kind of like more just the system and society, but this time it's like people being like, you're, you're useless. You can't do anything by yourself. Um, you're scared to go out alone. Like they say all these weird, very crappy things. So then she's, um, at work at her favorite um, writer's house, who has the same Mac from Legally Blonde. (laughs) That's my main comment. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, oh my God, I guess this is a period piece because that computer is wild. Yeah, how does that even, I don't don't believe that even works today, but maybe it does. I'll indulge (laughs) the fantasy that that Mac still works. So she's working in the house and they're having their little banter Although I still think the banter is kind of like, I guess, too sarcastic for me. Like, it's just like them putting each other down, which I'm not that into. Maybe it just sounds too literal in the subtitles, but like it probably is like chill in conversation, I guess. So he's trying to to get her to play chess. But like, I don't know if he hasn't explained the rules, but he's like, I don't think he has because he's like, you can't move that like that. Like you have to move it in an L shape because it's the night. And well... If he hasn't explained that, like, there's no way that she would know that. So that's really annoying to me. And he's like, yeah, I'm working on this novel about a woman, about like a maid or like a cleaning woman. Um, And I don't know the beginning, but I know the end already. And she's like, oh, what's the end? And he's like, well, the cleaning woman kills the writer, basically. And so Fatma is like really shocked because she feels like that's a personal kind of appeal to her and so she gets kind of nauseous and goes to like throw up in the bathroom um and it seems like she's just like extremely worried and concerned like clearly this is eating at her it's not like she doesn't think it has consequences to kill two men like she's clearly catching up on the fact or like getting really stressed by the fact that she can get caught at any point and who knows what's going to happen um so she's back at home and our friend Ismail comes home so she tries to talk to him again about you know like please don't sell the house like come on I don't I don't know if there's anything much different about this conversation rather than 
he basically says like, well, the two, like the two of us can work this out. Like basically implying that if they have sex, he'll kind of forget about the debts, which I think he has sort of been implying in the conversation throughout, but this is like more, more explicit in some, in a way I would say, I guess it's not even explicit, but um, he's like, let me just go. We can talk about this in your house. And she's like, no, please. Um, and so then Kazuya comes by and she's like, oh, Ismail, you're home. Like, come on. And the guy's like, leave me alone, woman. Basically, I mean, like, that's not how, what he says, but he's like, go away, go away. And, she, and he clearly wants to follow her, but she, I don't even know how she gets him not to come in the house with her. I think maybe he just follows his wife. Well, isn't that where Kazuya has like a bajillion things in her hand and this asshole is like, I mean, he's he's sober enough to still uh, harass Fatima, but too drunk to like help his wife carry all that shit. God, he's awful. Yeah, he's like, he he refuses to to help her carry the stuff. And then she's like, okay, fine. I'll just do it myself as I always do everything myself. Which, oh God, poor woman. And so then Fatma gets to her food court job, but for some reason she's late again. I guess it's because she has so many jobs because it seems like it's another day, but it, I could be wrong. Um, and the the guy that she's supposed to poison like comes in and is kind of like shitty to her. And it's like, if you're late again, we're going to fire you. This is your last warning. Is he the guy she's supposed to poison? I don't think so. Because it's her food Because he said- court. That, so he's she's supposed to poison her, her direct supervisor? He seems like a No, she's too. supposed to poison the owner of the mall, oh, who okay. I don't think would be na- wearing a name tag. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, I thought she said, like, I, I thought the subtitle said, your boss at the food court. That's what. I think it was big like. Big boss. Yeah, the big boss. Yeah, because I was like looking at it too, but he said he owns the mall. And then I looked at the guy who's a jerk and he was wearing a name tag and I was like definitely not him that's not such a such a, <laughs> a peasant move to have a name tag. yeah <laughs> the name tag to see if it says Evan Kerr or whatever <laughs> Ekbar God, your your, your uh, name choices are much more exotic. you're adding so many syllables <laughs> with an e and okay yeah sorry just me with with names I <laughs> can never get them right on the first try. <gasps> okay, Ekber. Okay. Oh, okay. Now everything makes more sense. Fine. Well, I guess I'll admit that that guy's probably not the one she has to kill. But then that scene would make no sense to me. Because like, why would they make a point of this guy being kind of rude to her? Because he's probably next on her list, regardless of <laughs> Byram's expectations, I hope. Um. So then we go to this law firm. And this guy is looking at some files and there's Ismail. And on his screen is a picture of Fatma. It seems kind of like like a staged picture, which is kind of weird. Like, why would he have that? Like, did has she been arrested? Is that a mugshot or something? I don't know. In any case, this guy's just like chilling on his desk. And it turns out that his boss called him. And his boss calls him into the conference room to translate for these workers um construction workers that are in the in the conference room because this man speaks Kurdish and these construction workers only seem to speak Kurdish I don't think they understand Turkish either so he's basically explaining to them like 
Um, they have to sign like these release forms uh, regarding an accident that there was at a construction site because they were near like a garbage truck um, when the accident happened, which spoiler alert is that uh, Ismail died. <laughs> sorry, not sorry <laughs> to spoil. Oh my God, who, who put him on the list? Anyway, we can talk about that later. Um, but he's just like translating and he's kind of like, he doesn't want them to fill out these release forms for some reason. And his boss is kind of like, you just do what I say. Like, you're just a drone, like stop trying to say anything. Like, I don't want you to have an opinion. And so he leaves, but we see in the file that it's our friend Ismail. And then Bayram's secretary goes to the same police officer, police station that Fatma had gone to in the previous episode. And that seems like too much of a coincidence, unless it's like really close to Bayram's office or something. <laughs> but she's like really flustered. And this guy's like, shut up. Like, that's not the way you give a police statement. <laughs> Slow down. And she's like, okay. She like calms down. And she says that basically that she thinks um, Bayram had... Um, Fatma killed this man chef kid because he's interested in chef kid dying because this woman like constantly is at at the office and that day she had asked for chef kid's address um, and then all of a sudden chef kid shows up dead so um, I guess the guys like put two and two together that would be my guess um, but there's not a lot of additional information about that so then we go to the neighborhood and Fatma is like walking there and kind of like, she's pretty paranoid by the, this point, I would say, or like in this scene at least. And uh, the neighborhood is crawling with police officers everywhere. And she kind of like bumps into one and like she puts her hands like in front, like basically for him to cuff her. And the guy's like, lady, let me through. <laughs> like, well, he's he's very polite, but basically he just wants to get through. He's not going to cover. her. He has no clue who she is. Um, and like everyone is talking. And of course, Kadri is mourning because her husband died. And it turns out that the funeral that we saw in the first scene was uh, Ismail's funeral. And there's this voiceover narration at that point. But I remember what the voiceover narration is saying. I just remember that there, you can't hear the prayer again as we heard it in the first scene. That's bad of me not to remember, but I can't remember what was going on. And then we see the the lawyer, like the hotshot lawyer and the other lawyer who's a, who like was used to translate. Um, like he gives him some documents and says like, just tell these people about their settlements. Because apparently, um, I think Kadri is entitled to some sort of settlement because of Ismail's accidental death, but we don't exactly know. Um, so Fatma comes home and she's like with all the women in mourning and they're all saying like, I don't even know what you would call that, but like kind of sayings that you say when somebody dies, it seems. like Condolences. Yeah, but they're like, yeah, I guess they're, they have like more meaning than just like, I'm sorry for your loss. It's like, because they say, I mean, not really. It's it's like, it's like, it's as generic as saying, I'm sorry for your loss in English. I guess they always, everyone like stuff you would always say. Okay. They just sound different in yeah. like in another language. Cause it's like, who knows what the translation was, was probably really dramatic, yeah, it's like, but it's really Allah <laughs> takes the good ones first or something. Oh, 
help. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People were saying all sorts of shit just to like make her feel like even more guilty and ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> like he was such a saint. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. But I guess like part of it is just that that's what you say just in another language and we don't, we're not familiar with it. So it sounds like, I don't even know, like more meaningful, I guess. Cause like when, it, when something's you is like something you've heard a lot in your own language, you just like take it for granted. Like you don't even think about what it means. Just like something you say in a specific occasion. So Fatma's just like sitting there and like, she gets another phone call, of course. Um, and she's like, whatever. And, um, she, it turns out she's at a construction site with where Ismail works and Baidam and the goon are in the car. I don't know if it's cause they're following her or cause they wanted, are doing some sort of business with Ismail. Um, did you guys catch that? Like why the, why this, why Baidam and the goon are there at the construction site? I think they're just following Fatima. Yeah, that's what I thought. And so she, she, I think she's walking on the ground and then Ismail like calls out to her or like says something annoying to her. And she's like, he says something really shitty. I can't remember what it is, but she's like gets angry and feels compelled to come up. And they have this whole like struggle and he's really shitty. And he like basically tells her to like, whatever, like go fuck herself. But he's also like very evidently like kind of very sexually into her. Like he's very attracted to her and like it shows. Um, So as she's walking away, she hears a noise that she always hears on the phone call. And she's like, oh my God, it's this asshole who's been calling me. I mean, she doesn't verbalize it, but like that's what I guess goes on in her head. And so she goes back to confront him. And well, she has all these flashbacks about all the calls and she goes back to confront him and she's, and she's like, why are you calling me? Like, what the fuck? And the guy like almost throws her off the building and she like has a flashback to her childhood and then she throws him off the building and you can see on his phone that he, I guess he let her go and then she's walking away and he calls her on her phone And that's when she sees it's that unknown number or whatever that's calling her. And she gets super angry, pushes him off the cliff. And then we get an image of this guy just like dead and his phone, it says like Fatma and it's all cracked, but you can tell that he was calling her and that's the end. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So a lot of shit happened. Um, So now we'll move straight on into our banter slash spilling the tea slash gossip section. episode started with Fatima giving like a very brief summary of what happened in the episode prior which I really liked like as opposed to having like a previously on she just kind of narrated it herself and then we go to the house of the woman and the child that Sophia loves (laughs) and they seem really nice like there's got to be something that goes wrong there but they seem really nice. My thought is maybe the husband is like a monster that Fatima will need to kill. 
Okay, wasn't that ice cream just like way too quickly in a nice little ice cream cup? Like I think she had through? made it and then she started the game, right? But she like pulled it out of the freezer. So she like put oh, it in the she? freezer. <laughs> it was in the freezer in like a parfait yeah, she glass. Like, pulled it out like in the glass. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, this is that makes what no rich sense. That's a good one to fuck. Like. Also, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like you couldn't see the little balls of ice cream. It was just a blob like it looks a lot like a fruit that we eat here more than ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a WTF preview. Then. Okay. <laughs> well, my other WTF is why, why it's so important to show these like weird dynamics with the kid and the mom and like the kid. Something's, oh, for sure something's going to happen. This is a very spare show. Like it's not gonna, um, they're not going to waste a second of screen time with only six episodes. So yeah, to Sammy's point, something is probably going to go terribly wrong there. Yeah, that, yeah. the girls to recognize her, right, from the TV. It seemed like the girl noticed her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Because girl. she was wearing the same goddamn <laughs> jacket and scarf. Yeah. What is Which she doing? To, like, adult, adult, classist, uh, adult eyes will would just look like poor people clothes, but like the little girl actually sees her as a human <laughs> I mean right I, Ooh, I like that interpretation and like I can understand that probably she a does not have a lot of clothes b like she doesn't feel like it the clothes are distinct enough but honestly like I'm surprised that no one on the street was like oh shit that woman is the one from the news report you know yeah, I mean, she literally, she didn't, like, combine the same jacket with a different scarf or something. Like, it's literally exactly the same outfit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what she's doing. She wrapped the gun in a nice scarf. That would have been different. Well, she also has her, I guess she has her work scarves that she works for work. But she doesn't. Yeah. I don't know. I guess she has no more non-work scarves. Hmm. Sure. And then we meet her sister, which I oh, thought man. was really interesting. And also, that actress plays Asla in Karapara Ashk, best show of all time. Uh, Black on, Money like, Love. Every show, these like I would say in the past like four years, she's just everywhere. She's <laughs> fabulous. Like you start out really disliking her because she's so snarky and mean all the time and then you end up just thinking she's the most hilarious person in the whole oh family. my god sammy i think we need to find you every time you you mentioned <laughs> I, I don't know that i had mentioned it in fatma at podcasting before so <laughs> i needed to mention it but i think you mentioned it once each um new series yeah i try to you know <laughs> um but yeah shouts to her she's great oh my god too much okay but what's Um, the deal with the sister like she seems to be wealthy she seems to be really rude and annoying and like not empathetic about her sister but they get then again if she's so rich why doesn't she help her sister who's like literally yeah super precarious conditions i have a very uncharitable hypothesis which is that she just like married up but i don't know because she kept mentioning her husband like a million times but I thought it was a really interesting example of how like nature versus nurture, you know, like they're sisters, but they've clearly chosen extremely different paths in life. And also she's an asshole, the sister. Yep. <laughs> and Fatma needs to stop trying to confess all the time. 
I mean, yeah, no one listens to you, girl. Like, I'm sorry. Maybe if you told the no. child of that rich lady, she would. She might have listened, yeah. It was weird. It was a weird interaction for me also because, like, I mean, all of it was weird as, as discussed, but, like, it seemed to not start out, out that bad. And then it just, like, devolved very quickly into just, like, uh, what's what's her sister's name? Uh, I don't know that we learned it. Maybe we didn't learn it. Yeah. Um, oh, but I think I just Googled it and it was uh, Emine. I don't know if that was revealed to okay. us yet, but anyway, it was just weird that it quick it so quickly devolved into like Amina's scolding Fatma, like yeah, for just yeah. like I don't know, living her life, <laughs> being in her situation. It was so I don't know, it was just uncomfortable. Maybe a little over the top. Um, I don't know. We'll see how the rest of like what more gets revealed there. Maybe it wasn't over the top for the you know if this lady's just crazy and this is how she behaves and we see more supporting <laughs> evidence for that I mean it seems like that's just how Fatma has been slash expects to be treated by everyone right yeah. so that's just her sister like jumping on the bandwagon God. I had a question Emine scolds her for saying uh Bayram Abi uh, is that like a more old-fashioned thing than to say like Bay or Effendi or something no, I think she just, like, thinks Bidem is, like, shady. And that's oh, just mad that, okay, like, okay, she's okay. uttering his name. Yeah. I'm also surprised gotcha. that she knows so much about Fatma's life because she seems, like, so disconnected. And still doesn't help yeah. her at all. No attempt right, to help Because it seems like the son died, like, very recently. Yeah. And they don't seem to have been in contact at all. Yeah, I thought I thought her secret was going to be that her son died because since we know that she like hid from people that her son died, I don't know. I guess yeah, weird. Confess per usual. Maybe it was a hallucination. Maybe her sister isn't even real. <laughs> I mean, honestly, um, and then it seems like go for it. Somebody. No, I was just going to say that a lot of scenes feel like hallucinations. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can't even believe it. Yeah. Especially now that they've added like timeline switching into the mix. True. Um, It seemed like Emine's husband is a lawyer. Maybe. He He seems like he's also sketchy, right? Like I, he like has connections to the police, and he can like look for somebody. Because he says like maybe he can talk to some of his friends in the police or something like that, as if like. They were a yeah. colleague of his who would have the information. I guess my theory is that he's going to be the handsome, mean old lawyer who's like such a dick. Yeah. Or are you just like speculating? Yeah, yeah. We have. He's the one from, from, the, from the boardroom who's really shit. Oh, the the abusive one. Yeah. Uh, okay. Silver Fox. I thought I truly thought this was like an archetype that Sammy had of like a perfect, <laughs> like disgusting rich man character. <laughs> no, I just like was thinking of like me and rich men that we had met, and the handsome okay. lawyer was in this episode. Wow, I didn't so. even I didn't even like think that there would be any. Well, I mean, yeah, I totally missed that. Nice. Um. Yeah. Would he drive see. his own car though? He was riding no. a car with a driver when they went. You're right. Was You're right. I can't envision him driving, but maybe she was sitting in like the front seat of like a Uber or something. 
That would not make sense, though, if they're super bougie. Yeah. <laughs> True. Okay, so then Byram comes to Fatwa's house to, like, threaten slash give her a job. Yeah. But he doesn't offer her any money or anything. He's just like, go kill this guy. So that was confusing. Well, she's doing the same... He's doing the same move that the guy who got pushed in front of the train is doing. But I guess he doesn't realize. Right. But he gave her money at yeah. least. He doesn't realize how dumb he's being because Fatma is capable of... Like, she's not a robot. She's not operating on some instructions. She's, like, operating on her own impulses. Yeah. Yeah, and she was literally like, I have nothing left to lose, so you can't threaten Oh, yeah, me. I forgot to say that in the recap. She says, like, in that fight that like literally everything's been taken taken away from her and she's not scared of anything just Allah or she doesn't respect anything just all, anyone just Allah I think mm-hmm. um Yusuf perfect definition of a heavy me <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>, who's Yusuf <laughs> the, the goon, goon. Oh. The- the heavy that Byron brings with him. He's not heavy, though. <laughs> I don't think it's literal. Well, I mean, they're supposed to have some, like, like bulk to fight you, aren't they? I feel like people just <laughs> talk funny in, like, the 1940s or whatever. This word was a thing that people said. Um, I think, I just think that's funny. Like a heavy a hitter, A history I think. section about heavy, heavies and how it was a thing. <laughs> I think we should. And proof. Words, words that Sammy may or may not have made up a deep dive. <laughs> that can be a I bonus episode, to. OMG. <laughs> okay, we'll keep that in mind. <laughs> that one would have to involve drinking. <laughs> okay, so he wants Fatma to murder Ekbar with uh, what the subtitles translated as blow, which I had to Google <laughs> to find out that what? it was cocaine. Sammy! <laughs> What? Did you guys just know off the top of your head that blow is like a nickname for cocaine? I did. Yeah, I did. Wait, Timmy, you need to watch some <laughs> 80s movies. Have you watched? I know. <laughs> Clearly. But I guess it's just like laced with something yeah. Yeah. poisonous. It's poisoned. Sammy, I can't believe this. This is another iconic. I mean, I knew it was a drug. Wow. I just didn't know which drug. For someone who makes up so many words, it's crazy. <laughs> you don't know this plane. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so good to know. Yeah, on the streets of, I don't know, the big city. You'll know now. <laughs> Are you guys going to uh, watch Fatma's Gambit when it comes out on Netflix in a few months? What's that? Oh, it's a it's a crossover event with Queen's Gambit and Fatima. <laughs> I would watch the shit out of that. She just murders anybody that beats her. <laughs> she just magically becomes the top of a construction site that she can just push them right off or, or a subway <laughs> platform. She only plays her matches at the top of a construction yeah. site. <laughs> That was a really funny um, scene to me where he was like scolding her for not knowing the rules. Of that that was like the most like, I'm going to create a situation where I can mansplain to this person who has no yeah, interest in talking to me. That's why I dislike him so much. And you guys love this 
Bye. Well, your wish is probably going to come true because they yeah, unbelievable foreshadowing. So your um hit list from last episode, top of your hit list was him, and he's clearly going to die. But also, the the top of one of you guys' hit list was Ismail. I can't remember. That was me. Yeah. Yay. I think it was a universal choice for people we want dead. Yeah. (laughs) What was I going to say? Oh yeah, so she something that I don't think you hit on in your recap is that she hid the gun in the writer's bathroom. Oh right, in the in the in the because I thought it was her bathroom, but then they like show it again that it's the writer's bathroom. Yeah, that's an ugly, ugly bathroom. Yeah, really ugly and like no nothing in it. It's weird. Very grandparents. Uh, My grandparents used to have a bathroom that looked like <laughs> <laughs> it was prettier than that one, but it was. I'm sure it was. Um, we also meet Kadrie, who I think is a great character. Like you always need like a local, like nosy person in the neighborhood. She and also annoying. she seems, oh yeah, she's super yeah. annoying. Yeah. Because like also like her husband's an asshole, but obviously like she depends on him. So she can't be shitty to him, but she just like lets him treat her really badly. And then she also almost like, basically sent Fatma in to get killed because she knew that there were some strange men in her apartment and and she just didn't warn her I thought that was so funny she was like no I'm not gonna call the cops it would cause a scene what are you talking about and then she comes over right after like oh what happened (laughs) that was great so funny it was interesting something she said was like yeah we're gonna sell the house so you you should like go back to your village which is something we speculated on last episode. Um, and then she says, like, I can't go back without Zafir. So I wonder if there's something like, I don't know what the explanation for that could be. They have the flashback again, yeah. like to the, her hiding. And to her, so, like, a, her abuser, whoever it is. Do you think it's like a innocent type deal where she murdered someone as a small child? <laughs> probably, probably her. I mean, I feel like it's going to be her dad or like a stepdad or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be her. It, it it could be like that she murdered the person, or that she was just abused horribly. Yeah. And or she's both. like afraid to go back without yeah. a husband. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, I for me, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Like she needs Safa to like defend her because clearly, like the world has just told her her entire life that she's useless. Right. Which is super sad. And she's internalized it too, except now she's killing everyone. Right. <laughs> we have the Ismail and coffee shop scene. He's the complete asshole. He like eggs all the guys at the coffee shop on to like snoop and like embarrass her. Um, but why are they, what, what, what's the deal with that scene being exactly the same as the other scene? I think it's just those are the only two places this loser goes. It's like the coffee shop in his house same shirt it's the same like he has to call the teen to come are you calling them out on being cheap (laughs) no it's just bizarre like why won't he come out himself like i don't know it just it seems really contrived like i feel like they're doing it on purpose but i don't know what the purpose is i mean it wasn't exactly the same as the first coffee shop scene like i don't know this one felt he he was meaner in this one i thought and like was was trying to trying to imply to all the other men that they had a relationship and that he was she was all over him yeah like in the first the first encounter I thought that he was not I I mean I didn't have a positive or a negative opinion of him and then turned out he was 
try to rape her. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I just like it felt really similar to me and I didn't understand why. I also feel like like Fatima is she is empowered, but she's not quite there yet with the planning ahead thing, as the writer actually calls her out on, because like what was she doing confronting Ismail in her yard when he's like super drunk? Like with no protection. Also, is is Ismail also drunk in the coffee shop scene? Because he's speaking really weirdly. Yeah. Well, maybe. He's definitely drunk in the garden slash at home scene, but I don't know. Probably. He's just always drunk and always nasty. Um, I also don't understand. He keeps implying that like, if she sleeps with, with him, he'll like take care of her and she'll be like a kept woman. But like, where is he getting this money? What? I don't understand. Yeah, he doesn't, clearly doesn't work. He's just collecting yeah. money from like the illegal, uh, maybe houses that he allowed to be built <laughs> on his various properties. I don't know. So he well, he works at the construction site. Presumably. Oh, that's right. That's where he does. Yeah. He, but yeah. He, he doesn't own that coffee shop. He's just there getting drunk. I thought he owned yeah no 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 he just like yeah squats there he squats everywhere (laughs) he just gets drunk after work there yeah then we meet the lawyers I don't know what is gonna come of this but it seemed like she knew the nice lawyer guy Sidar it seems like he's gonna be a main ish character yeah um also how did you know they were speaking Kurdish because it said so on the subtitles. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> Let me double check, but I'm that. pretty sure. Also, the language doesn't sound anything like Arabic. It's like much softer. Yeah. Yeah. Like it doesn't have the sounds, like the hard. We got another really funny, like, sure, hard thinking the police have caught her and they just like get out of the way. <laughs> Um, so I guess they're ignoring the secretary's testimony. Are they though? Unclear. Uh, look, it says Sidar Levent would like to talk to you. He's in meeting room one. And so Sidar goes in. Um, and it says, sir, would you like to talk to me? These men could have witnessed the construction site accident, whatever. Ask them if they saw the accident. Oh yeah, it says in the subtitles. It says in 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 brackets like in Kurdish. Mm. Okay, interesting. Yeah, um, that is very disappointing though because you just said Levant, and we know that um, Emine's husband's name is Haluk or something like that. <laughs> so Silver Fox is not Emine's husband. I oh guess. no, very unfortunate. But I do think that Sidar is going to be um, a mainish character of some sort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like maybe they're from the same village or something because it it definitely seemed like she recognized him. No, but I don't. Or they think, had. I don't think so, because then she'd have to be Kurdish too. Maybe. Well, I, I don't she know. She wouldn't have to be. <laughs> there could be villages can be diverse. Yeah, um, I know. I mean, you're you're right. I guess that's just an assumption on my part. But I feel like, I don't know. I feel like he's probably not from that close to Istanbul but we don't even know if she's from that close to Istanbul either. So yeah. we don't know. Um, it also seemed like she, when they said, oh yeah, the like Arga family 
law firm is here it she seemed like oh the Argoff family like she knew who they were or something mm-hmm. I don't know there was yeah. like some weird vibes there going was. on in that scene I just think this guy's like gonna do the stealthy like I'm gonna do my own research because I don't believe people are being thorough enough kind of thing mm-hmm. like I have a vibe about this and he'll just go on his own and research everything and because how does he already have a picture of Fatma like no one in the world knows who Fatma is, even the police mm-hmm. officer who she confessed to murdering someone to his face. Right. I have no idea. <laughs> okay, so then she goes to the construction site. She has that confrontation with Ismail. She pushes him off, thank God. Uh, before that, she realizes that the sound is coming from the construction site, from the phone calls. And I, maybe I'm like a moron, but my first thought was like, oh my God, Zafir is like trapped in the construction site somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> like in a cell, like calling her. <laughs> um, but yeah, it turns out it was just Ismail being a dick. Ugh. It's so gross when he's like, there's a room over here where we can like have sex. I don't, he doesn't say obviously have sex, but he says like, there's a room in the back or something. It's like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, it was so weird. And also like that he like called her again as she was walking. Like he could have gotten away with his life, but he just had to get that final humiliation in. Yeah. But I Although she was already standing behind him. So maybe she was going to do it anyway. I don't think he's capable. Like he would understand that she's capable of that. Because like, no, you know, everyone thinks that she's just like this poor sad woman who like just yeah yearns for her husband all the time and like can't think of anything else and it's like god this is so bad um like this enemy is like standing right in front of you and you're in in what is it called in danger of being killed at any point i'm sure there's a chess metaphor there but i can't really think about it it's like the pawn is coming for you. <laughs> I mean, there was a move in what's now I forgot the name of the TV show about chess. Queen's Gambit. Yeah. There's a move where the pawns like kill the king. She meant that's what happened here. <laughs> oh my god. Um yeah, I'm why do you why do you guys think he was calling her like was he just like really obsessed with her and like wanted to have sex with her and like disturb her yeah all of those things i think he wanted her to be like off balance and scared and just fuck with her unless there's going to be like some other reveal about the phone calls later but i don't know i feel like we resolved that yeah i feel like that's done i guess they just wanted to play a short game on that do we know if yeah. this is a, a limited series or if it's going to have more than one season? Probably going to have another season. I've heard this ends with quite a cliffhanger. <gasps> oh, awesome. So as we near the end of our banter section, I think we need to go into our murder list for the episode. Uh, top of my murder list is Mall Jerk with the name tag. <laughs> Over Ekber. Yes, because I don't know anything about him. Maybe he's great. (laughs) But I know that a man barging into a women's locker room at work is like the most inappropriate thing I've ever seen in my life. True. Very true. Who's the top of your hit list, Sophia? Because you've got 
you've got the ESP from last episode. You're on a successful run here. <laughs> um, let me think. Honestly, the sister is kind of up there. She's the worst. Oh, she kind of sucks. And yeah. I also have a feeling that Fatma's going to accidentally hurt the little girl. Well, accidentally. Oh, no. That would be terrible. Well, they're building up to something really horrible happening with that kid. I think that the wife is going to pay Fatma to murder her husband. <laughs> we haven't even talked about the husband. I don't know. That's my theory. I'm sticking to it. Not enough clues. Eski, who's the top of your murder list? Definitely this treacherous sister of hers who just like is content to let her suffer and then victim blame. <laughs> um, probably her husband too. Probably just also a dick. Oh, do you think he's not dead already? Oh, no, no you not- said that there's an actor that plays him, right? Right. No, no I'm talking about her husband as in Amina's husband the rich oh okay gotcha gotcha just both of them <laughs> take both, both of them, them yeah, get them get them out of here um <laughs> i mean Bidom is entertaining so far but might get old we'll see yeah 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 and then uh my keep alive list is 100 percent the writer guy love him oh you love the mansplaining chess game. I wish you could be playing with him. I love him mainly because Sophia is so irritated. <laughs> I like knew it. To, to this useless character. That's so funny. Oh my god. I'm still very angry that he's going to make a shit ton of money from her. I hope she's in his will. I think she'll kill him before the book is finished. <laughs> also probable. Okay, so today for our history section, we are going to talk about the origin of Fatima's name, who the historical Fatima is, and also the hand of Fatima, which is a very popular symbol across the Middle East it's Europe, on my notebook. and Asia. Can you see it? Oh my gosh, it is on your notebook. Yeah, Look at that. Yeah. It's on my bracelet. Oh my God. My it's everywhere. Fatima is ubiquitous. See? Wow. Awesome. Uh, so I could start with like the research I did. And if you guys want to add in, please help. I have a question regarding like, what's the difference between Fatma and like Nazar? Because I feel like they kind of are meant to do similar things, like ward off the evil eye, but like in different ways. They look yes, different. they are the same. Um, I forget, I just learned the type of, the name of the type of magic that it is. Starts with an A and it's a type of magic that protects against the evil eye. Like an an amulet? Oh, here, apotropaic magic. Oh, that's a new one. So that's what they both do. This might be (laughs) a member of the Sammy lexicon of imaginary words. Okay, so we can start with the hand of Fatma since we've been starting about that talking about that so it's also known as the hamsa also known as the hand of mary also known as the hand of the goddess its origins are unclear obviously because it's super ancient 
but it appears in ancient Mesopotamia as the hand of the goddess Ishtar or the goddess Inanna. It appears in ancient Carthage as the hand of Tanit. Um, it also appears in ancient Rome as the hand of Aphrodite, or I guess that would be ancient Greece. Apologies. It appears in Judaism. Uh, it protects from the evil eye. It's associated with the number five because uh, the five fingers. And um, it also could have come from ancient Egypt where there's a two finger symbol that represents Isis and Osiris and then their son Horus. Not sure, just tangentially related, I guess. Um, it represents fem femininity because it's always the right hand of a woman. And so it's associated with a lot of ancient feminine things like fertility and protection and motherhood and all that stuff. It also could have origins in sex symbolism. Uh, apparently the god Carthaginian goddess Tanit was associated with a particular venereal disease, but um, <laughs> that's as much as I went into. <laughs> um, it's also, um, huh? That's as much detail as you wanted to get into. Yes. And apparently it was very stinky. I don't need to know anything more. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's one of the national symbols of Algeria because it is important to both Arabs and Berbers. Um, and it was also used a lot during the establishment of Israel. It's also used in Hinduism, Buddhism, and appears in a different form at the Southeastern Ceremonial Complex, which is apparently a ancient very large Native American civilization that's in modern day Mississippi. So that's pretty cool. Wow. So apparently it's like kind of a ubiquitous thing, like whichever civilization you go to, it seems to have um, some representation of it. Yep. Yep. Um, it was even, it was so popular in Spain um, that like 30 years after um, the Muslim rule was abolished or whatever um they had to the catholic church had to ban it because everyone was so it was so popular amongst christians interesting so basically it serves a similar purpose to nazar except nazar is like mostly fake like focused on the evil eye and like warding off other people's like evil desires towards you although this one also has like protection right yeah so this one mostly wards off the evil eye that's like its main purpose um but it also has a lot of feminine connotations because it's a woman's hand wow <laughs> yep pretty cool yeah um so now we can move on to fatima the historical person today we're going to talk about a little bit more of the story of fatma or fatima she was the daughter of, of muhammad and his first wife khadija who was a, a wealthy um widow who lived in um i think in mecca and she was she she had these trade routes i think that she like had some business in them so muhammad got to know her through that and they got married they apparently had a few sons who did not make it past adulthood or childhood sorry and then they had a few daughters of which the most known is is fatima and she's also well i'm gonna i'm gonna talk a little bit about her and then a little bit about like her descendants and and why they're important in the in the future of of islam 
but she was married to Ali. So Ali was Muhammad's cousin who was very young, but it was an early disciple of the Prophet and very early on was a believer in Islam and in the Prophet's teachings. And so Fatma had been courted by several of Muhammad's followers, including two future caliphs, uh, Abu Bakr, who was uh, the first caliph, and Uthman, who was the second caliph, or third, maybe. But she was very, um, the, the, several of the followers were interested in, in her, but Muhammad decided to have her married to his cousin Ali, who uh, would go on to take an important role in in the Muslim faith. And there were a, a few kind of discussions or digressions about whether Muhammad had stated before his death that he wanted Ali to be his his successor. So the first caliph, the first successor of the Prophet was Abu Bakr, so it wasn't actually Ali, which was controversial for several people. And, and you know, early Islam was made up of people from several different backgrounds, some people, um, fr well, from Saudi Arabia, but early, like, in the in the start there there was an early kind of conquest and, and Islam did spread um, to Egypt to uh, Syria to Iraq um, and to Iran as well and and there was kind of a, a military element to it there were several kind of battles where um, in the in this early period of, of Islam and so Ali became the prophet he was the fourth prophet so it was a while before he got to power. And by this point, there kind of had been a few things institutionalized, so you had to get elected kind of to become the prophet by a council. And Ali was not chosen by this council. So there was like, there was controversy from groups of people who felt that he should not be the ruler because it didn't follow this procedure that had been established. But then there were also a lot of people that had been saying for a few generations, for a few caliphs back, that they thought that Ali should be the next caliph because he he was a, a direct descendant of Muhammad. He had his blood and therefore kind of had a, I guess you could call it something similar to the divine right to rule. So he, he was given this, this position and early on um, there had already been kind of some, I guess you could call them like civil wars, like there had already been unrest between the group of people that had uh, converted to Islam, which was very um, diverse and different and composed of different tribes uh, from different areas who also had different beliefs. And Muhammad had been very um, successful in bringing together a lot of people that thought very, very differently and had different perceptions and different standings in life. And he actually, one of the things that he did in order to do this was he actually married some more people after, well, after Khadija and after he came, he like started getting his revelations, he, he married um, a few more wives, including Aisha, who was a, a very famous and, and loved uh, wife by him. And so he, he married this wife, Aisha. Uh, and so in, in Ali's rule, there was a man who used to be the, the ruler of Syria, uh, whose name was Muawiyah, and he was contesting um, the caliphate from, from Ali. And so they started to have, you know, different, different uh, confrontations, and they actually had a battle in Syria. And 
they were there was one famous battle, the Battle of the Camel, where Aisha was actually on Muawiyah's side, and she like the battle ended. She was on a camel, and and you know all these soldiers were surrounding her and trying not to get, let her get captured, and she was eventually captured by Ali's followers, and and that was kind of the end of. Like she was a very vocal critic of Ali, and that was the end of that um, very vocal role that she had at that point. But Muawiyah was very, um, very smart, very politically uh, savvy, and he was able to uh, kind of force Ali's hand and make him capitulate because he was losing these battles that they were having, and that was also seen kind of like as a sign of weakness because a lot of Ali's followers felt that he was kind of entitled. To be the caliph just because he was uh, a descendant of the prophet, and they felt that that was kind of a betrayal um, that he would be able, like, would want to negotiate with Muawiyah. So he went and negotiated, and after that, he he got killed by someone, uh, a Karajite, and the Karajites were a group of of Muslims who kind of had this whole belief that if you if you're entitled to rule, then you it's it's like your legacy and your duty to actually rule and, and maintain that position. So, well, also, I should say that I'm getting this information from two books. Uh, one is called Islam and Historical Perspective by Alexander Nish, and one is called A History of the Muslim World Since 1260, The Making of a Global Community by Vernon Egger. So after this whole thing and Muawiyah becomes a caliph, uh, there was a part of Iraq where there was a big following of of Ali uh, in a city called Kufa. So his sons were, a, like a few members of his family were invited to Kufa um, as part of, uh, you know, kind of to go see all of these followers. And when they were on their way there in a city called Karbala, they were massacred, like the most of them were killed. Uh, just a few, I think one of his sons uh, was survived. So this is kind of a point where you start to see some of those divides within Islam and you start to see the Sunni and the, and the Shia start to diverge from each other um, because the Shia become very vocal about feeling that the, the successor of, of the, well, the, the caliphs should be direct descendants of the prophets whereas um, other groups of Muslims kind of have uh, different beliefs. So I think, I guess, that's a very summarized version of, of what why Fatima ends up being so important in terms of her legacy. But I guess we should talk a little bit about why she was important during her lifetime and and why she was kind of so... Uh, it's, it's kind of, I don't know if implied, but it's mentioned that she... Or, or there's like a common belief that she was the prophet's favorite daughter, um, and also like he was he had so much love for Ali that um, it's well he he was they were very close to to the prophet. Um, this I'm actually taking off of Wikipedia because my books actually mention her very shortly. So, but she's definitely kind of shown as being this this wonderful mother and this wonderful wife and. She, like, there's a few stories about her in the in the Quran, um, and for example, here in Wikipedia it says uh, in in Quranic verse 342, 
there's a link between praise of Mary, the mother of Jesus, with praise of Fatima, um, where he's kind of exalting all of these uh, famous and, and wonderful women. Mary, Asiya, who is the wife of, of Pharaoh, Khadija, and Fatima. And uh, also, there she's mentioned in the Quran uh, in, in another part where it says, I do not ask you any reward for it except the love of my relatives. And he, he says that the, the people, who are these persons that their kindness and love is obligatory? And he says, uh, Ali, Fatima, Hassan, and Hussein. So those are Fatima, Ali, and their two uh, children, Ali, Hassan, and, and Ali, Hussein. And definitely she is, you know, very, very well respected and, and loved uh, in the Muslim faith. Um, it also says that she is respected and venerated by Muslims as she was the child closest to her father and supported him in his difficulties, was the supporter and caretaker of her own husband and children, and was the only child of Muhammad to have male children live beyond childhood, whose descendants are spread throughout the Islamic world and are known as Sayyids. So basically that's just kind of a tidbit about why Fatima is an, such an interesting and, and important character in, in Islam. Awesome. So now we're going to move on into our favorite section, which is what the fuck and Sultan of success. Um, perhaps also Sultan of despair since Sultan of success might be the same every episode. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, in terms of what the fuck I have Fatima wearing the exact same outfit that she murdered someone on camera last night in. I'm sure she has, as poor as she is, she definitely has more than one scarf because we saw her wrap the gun in a beautiful blue scarf that she could have been wearing. And she also has the scarf that she wears at uh, the mother and daughter's house. So um, wear a different scarf, you know? Uh, I also have what the fuck to blow. Uh, let's just call it cocaine. I don't understand. I'm not that cool, I guess. <laughs> I don't get the whole blow thing. <laughs> <laughs> there's a movie called blow i refuse to watch is it but it is <laughs> okay then <laughs> sounds great i also have what the fuck fatma and and maybe we'll see this next episode but like please take ismail's phone away from the body because it shows him calling you incessantly and that's very suspicious what are your guys's what the fucks mine is the the reiterated games with the child <laughs> they just want you to be charmed by them so that when the mom says murder my husband you'll be like yeah no i think fatma's gonna like that apartment building looks to be really high up and fatma's just gonna accidentally like throw the kid out of the apartment somehow <laughs> oh my god she's not a child murderer she's just a bad guy murderer i still kind of think that she killed her son we don't know Oh God, you're right. That is probably what happened. Well, it might've just been neglect rather like she has to work a lot and she couldn't take care of the kid all the time. I don't know. It could be that. Um, I think it'll be more sinister. Also, okay. My what the fuck 
my main what the fuck, which I'm very confused about, is I don't. I think they have surveillance cameras in the construction site because I think they mentioned that when they were interviewing the dudes. So like, how did they not see Fatma push this guy off the building? Well, it seemed like maybe they did know something because the Silver Fox guy was like really trying to convince like them to just sign it and go away and like not investigate any further. So maybe they do have it on camera. I don't know. Hmm. I'm also pretty what the fuck on the timeline. I don't understand what's the point of juggling the time around like they did. Yeah, it was very confusing. It was just confusing and it didn't have any narrative purpose, if you ask me. Yeah. Like to make it mysterious, but then they're showing us that Ismail is the one that died every other scene. And then we just see it at the end that he died. Yeah, I feel like they haven't really shown the aftermath of that yet. So, because we saw the train station footage this episode. Yeah, but I think those are my main what the fucks. I still think that she would obviously have gotten caught if there was so much surveillance. Um, also, what the fuck having sex in some room in a construction site? Like, <laughs> ew. Very unsafe very dirty <laughs> i thought he meant that that was like like when the apartment is built like they will have like a love nest room oh not like go let's go like, into this uh-huh. dirty concrete <laughs> and fornicate <laughs> oh gross i blame the subtitles, <laughs> blame the subtitles on this <laughs> Do you blame the subtitles for my selection of fornicate? Yes, I really. I blame you for that. (laughs) I blame the subtitles for misleading me about whether that was a future thing or present. I mean, I wouldn't put it past Ismail. That's true. God. Yeah, I feel like that guy's just honestly, like, I don't even know how to say this in a non horrible way, but he's just like been really eager to have sexual congress with her. <laughs> yeah, we're using some great uh, euphemisms. <laughs> wow. Thank you for that, Sophia. <laughs> really. But non-consensual, I should say, because I don't think he really cares about consent. Well, he no, doesn't, but he wanted her to be like, yeah, I'll be your side chick, you know? And then, yeah. I think he knew that she wouldn't agree to that, though. I don't think thinking ahead is his strong suit. Or thinking. Or thinking. Any more what the fucks? Yeah. The the color of the car that Bidam and Yusuf are trying to be subtle in. Like it's a banana. Everyone sees it. <laughs> You're not sneaky. Fatma's little sister just as a concept. <laughs> like what the fuck mm-hmm. is going on there? You suck. Um, and then they yeah, have the fully uh, ready to consume plated ice cream <laughs> that's a really good one very confusing <laughs> it just looks like this fruit um, did you have that fruit when you were here the white fruit it has black something like that one that looks really prickly and like green and huge but on the inside it's all white is it jackfruit what is it Lulo? no it's called in english it's called soursop but uh, <laughs> I think that's a made-up name, TBH. Yeah, sounds made up. Sounds like Sammy might have screamed it when she was in Colombia. (laughs) (laughs) 
I just sent you a link on the. It looks like oh, a jackfruit, Guanabana? but it's not a jackfruit. Guanabana. Yeah, I've heard of Guanabana. Like I've heard that name probably from you. Guanabana. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That. That's what I said. <laughs> I said, "Wow, you said guanabana, funky fruit." It's probably a family member of the of the jackfruit because it does look a lot alike. But I think the jackfruit is horrible to eat, isn't it? Like it tastes really bad. I don't. I I mean, didn't I? I don't recall it tasting bad. I've had it before. I don't remember being traumatized by it. Did you know? That jackfruit and guanabana are regularly known under a similar umbrella. Similar looks, however different. Okay. <laughs> nice. So I don't know. I don't even know anything about this. Who is going to be our Sultan of Success? Hmm. I have I have to put forward and probably only because I like her from Karapara Ashk. Oh. I think that oh, Fatwa's no. little sister, Emine, is clearly killing it compared to Fatwa. Her life is way better. She might be an asshole. But hey, 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 Fatwa is literally killing it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say that sentence. Okay. I think Kadri, she finally got rid of an <laughs> oh. asshole husband. And now she's getting a financial settlement for his. And she has something really exciting and interesting to snoop on going on right next door. That's right. Oh, I like that. I'm into that. I like that too. Okay. Congratulations to Kadriye for being (laughs) our Sultan of Success. We're very happy for you and your new life. I hope you find happiness snooping on Fatma and don't get murdered anytime soon. Uh, We'll be back next time with episode three, where hopefully someone on our murder list will get offed. Very excited to see what happens. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will talk to you guys next time.